Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I encourage you to visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Sean Flanagan is the director of Impact and Partnerships with the Legatum Institute. We'll be talking about, I think this is the second edition of the U.S. Prosperity Index. Very interesting discussion we'll have. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. A former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is July the 22nd, and on this day in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln informed his chief advisors and cabinet that he would issue a proclamation to free enslaved people, but added that he wanted to wait until the Union Army had achieved a substantial military victory to make the announcement. Attempting to stitch together a nation mired in a bloody civil war, Abraham Lincoln made a last-ditch but carefully calculated executive decision regarding the institution of slavery in America. At the time of the meeting of his cabinet, there was a uh, was not looking good in the Union. The Confederate Army had overcome Union troops in significant battles, and Britain and France were set to officially recognize the Confederacy as a separate nation. The issue of Emancipation Proclamation had less to do with ending slavery than saving the crumbling Union. In the August 1862 letter to New York Tribune, editor Horace Greeley, Lincoln confessed my paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union and is not either to save or to destroy slavery. He hoped a strong statement declaring a national policy of emancipation would stimulate a rush of the South's enslaved people into the ranks of the Union Army, thus depleting the Confederacy labor force on which it depended to wage war against the North. That's so interesting. As promised, Lincoln waited to unveil the proclamation until he could do so on the heels of a successful Union military advance. On September the 22nd, 1862, after a victory at Antietam, he publicly announced a preliminary emancipation proclamation declaring all enslaved people free in the rebellious states as of January 1st, 1863. Lincoln and his advisors limited the proclamation's language to slavery in states outside of federal control as of 1862. The proclamation did not, however, address the contentious issue of slavery within the nation's border states. In his attempt to appease all parties, Lincoln left many loopholes open and the civil rights advocates would be forced to tackle in the future. So, showing a little bit of the strategic side of Abraham Lincoln. Well, Joe Biden held a town hall last night. He told a business owner struggling to hire staff that he needed to pay better wages, as he seemed to be conceded that the pandemic increase in unemployment benefits would keep was keeping people out of work. The president spoke on a his half-empty CNN town hall in uh, Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati on Wednesday night. Now, what's interesting is that part of the state, Ohio, actually went for Biden, and literally the the uh, room is half empty. The people are just not showing up for him. They just don't want to take the time. Uh, flattering can- camera angles hid the small crowd from uh, viewers at home, but reporters traveling with Biden tweeted pictures of rows of empty seats. It's amazing. Boy, Joe Biden just can't draw people uh, to listen to him talk. 
The U.S. women's soccer team took a devastating 3 to nothing loss to Sweden early Wednesday morning in the Tokyo in the Olympic opener, breaking their 44-game winning streak. All 22 players on the USA team, a team took a knee in solidarity with the radical leftist group Black Lives Matter before the game, a major point of contention with U.S. fans. The United States came into Tokyo Games with the number one ranking in the world. Sweden is ranked fifth in the world and notably knocked out US, Team USA on penalty kicks in the 2016 Olympics in the quarterfinals. The two teams last paired off in April, which resulted in a one-to-one draw, the only game the U.S. women have not won since 2019. So uh, a little bit of uh, karma there, uh, taking a knee during the national anthem and uh, losing the game. Uh, apparently this is double elimination, so they still are going to have games to play, but uh, I think they're going to be eliminated if they lose another game. NFL star quarterback Tom Brady joked Tuesday about voters doubting the results of the 2020 presidential election and about the nickname former President Trump gave Joe Biden during the campaign. Brady cracked jokes at the White House event with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers celebrating their Super Bowl victory. Not a lot of people think we could have won the Super Bowl. In fact, I think about 40% of the people still don't think we won. You understand that, Mr. President, Brady said during his speech at the ceremony. I understand that, Biden said in response. Uh, Brady also referenced the Sleepy Joe nickname that uh, Trump gave uh, his rival in 2020. We had a game in Chicago where I forgot what down, what down it was. I lost track of one down in 21 years of playing, and they started calling me Sleepy Time. <laughs> Why would they do that to me? He said to laughter from the audience. Uh, the Buccaneers presented Biden with the number 46 jersey as at the event. Uh, what's interesting about this is a lot of the media outlets were saying that uh, Biden said that uh, Tom Brady was making fun of Trump. And uh, clearly, when you see the video, you know full well that it's a, it's a little bit of a jab on President Biden. <clears throat> well, a new bill introduced on Monday by Representative Brendan Boyle, from Democrat from Pennsylvania, would allow only an elected House member to serve as Speaker from the former President Trump called the suggestion he gave the gavel so interesting. Uh, well, the Constitution does not directly state, by the way, that the House Speaker must be a member of the chamber, but to date the role has never been filled by an outsider. Now, you may be aware there's a, a proposal circulating that uh, President, uh, uh, former President uh, Donald Trump should be named as Speaker of the House, then he should immediately call for the impeachment of Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, and of course, next in line to be president would be the Speaker of the House, Donald, Donald Trump. Boyle argued that the statute would be made clear even if electing someone outside of Congress to serve as Speaker remains a long shot. His bill titled the mandating that being elected to elect elected member be an essential requirement for the Speakership Act would explicitly limit eligibility to current House lawmakers. The Speaker of the U.S. House is second in the uh, line of presidential succession. That Donald Trump's name would even be tossed around as a potential speaker in the House should serve as an alarm bell that our current requirements need to be uh, amended, he said. So here we have, this is just another good example of Trump, Trump derangement uh, syndrome. They just can't get Donald Trump off their minds. Somebody proposed this on a pretty long shot. Trump uh, was asked about the idea, and he said, hey, it's kind of an interesting idea. What do you think? Uh, Wayne Allen Root noted that others have been sick. He also did the run for Senate. But you know what? Your idea might be better. It's very interesting, said Trump. He just can't help himself. He enjoys so much. 
annoying uh, the, the far left. So anyhow, they want to have a bill to would they, that the result, if it passed, would prevent uh, the Speaker of the House or, from being somebody other than uh, uh, an elected representative. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy on Wednesday said he's prepared to pull all five of his picks for the Chamber's Select Committee to investigate the January 6th U.S. Capitol attack after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi rejected two of his nominees, Jim Banks and Jim Jordan. Monday evening, the Minority Leader recommended five members to serve on the Select Committee, Pelosi said. I have spoken with him and this morning about the objections raised about uh, Jim Banks and Jim uh, Jordan and the impact their appointments may have on the integrity of the investigation. I am also informed him <clears throat> that I am prepared to appoint Representatives Rodney Davis, Hillary Armstrong, and Troy Neals, and I requested that he recommend two other members. Well, she knows darn well what happened. I mean, I think, quite frankly, I'm of the opinion that she facilitated. It was a plan to do this. Clearly, there were uh, lots of folks that were arrested uh, were not arrested, not incarcerated, that were part of this whole thing. And I would suggest they were uh, FBI agents and informants and so forth. She knows full well what happened, and uh, there's no need for this. It's all political. But uh, so McCarthy said, you know, if you're not going to accept the five we nominate, we're not going to participate. Good for him. Larry Elder will be on the ballot in California's recall election that was set to take place on September the 14th. On Wednesday afternoon, a Sacramento Superior Court judge ruled in favor of Elder in his lawsuit against California Secretary of State for disqualifying him for the upcoming recall election over a petty redaction issue with his tax returns. The court mandated that he be added back on the ballot and be allowed to run against Bolshevik incumbent Governor Gavin Newsom. In the brief 20-minute hearing, the judge ruled that the election law that Elder was alleged to have broken did not even apply to a recall election and even if it had, his campaign had substantially complied with all the requests uh, that were given by his state. So this is uh, good news. Larry Elder, I think the Democrats are pretty, pretty concerned about Larry Elder because he's extremely popular, and it's a, re a Democrat state. He's one Republican that could actually win if, in fact, uh, Gavin Newsom is recalled. <clears throat> the way this works is uh, the first vote is, uh, do you want... Uh, Gavin Newsom to remain as governor, if uh, the majority of people say no, then uh, they take the highest vote winner of the, those, na those names that are on the ballot, Democrats or Republicans. So congratulations uh, to uh, Larry Elder, and we hope you do well in the election. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by going to choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Sean Flanagan. He's with the Legatum Institute. We'll be talking about the new U.S. Prosperity Index. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a coalition of now well over 100 uh, grassroots groups across Florida, and uh, uh, about 110,000 people in our growing uh, support base. We uh, focus on K-12 education. I uh, sometimes say reform, but at the same time I struggle with that because you can't reform a government monopoly. You have to break it. Yeah, and the way you do that is through competition. So we're huge supporters of uh, parental choice, uh, providing parents an option uh, to uh, get their kids out of government schools. Uh, there's some really great solutions out there. Yeah, and so we promote those, um, and we're doing everything we can to stop the the indoctrination, the pornography, the undermining of our principal values getting rid of critical race theory, those kinds of things. 1619 Project, absolutely. And doing a terrific job, I must say. I've, uh, I'm very proud to have been one of the f uh, founding members of the Florida Citizens Alliance. In just eight or nine years, you've done just terrific work. So uh, the uh, uh, Department of Education, in uh, Commission of Education, I should say, in, uh, in Florida, has come up with a new civics, new civics standards. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Uh, well, they're they're very good standards. Uh, the, by way of background for your listeners, uh, back in uh, June of uh, last year, um, the, uh, the the commissioner and and his team started to to uh, 
assess and create a new set of standards. Uh, they were challenged to do so by a bill that the governor signed uh, the previous legislative cycle. Uh, for those who want to know the number, it was House Bill 807. But anyway, they started uh, a major project, uh, and we were, in, because of uh, the work we had done with them and, and the influence we'd had in creating the English language arts and math standards, uh, we were invited to participate in those. So the Department of Education went through uh, three rounds. It took them a lot longer than I think they intended, and part of that, I'm sure, is due to all of the distractions they had with COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but they went through three rounds of public input. Uh, we brought a number of experts to the table. Uh, William Federer, who's one of the top uh, uh, historians in the country, um, Freedom Factor, uh, Jeremy Nelson, uh, and, and several others. And uh, with their help and, and with our own uh, focus and background, we, uh, we provide lots of input at each step of the road. Uh, so last, uh, it was the 14th of uh, July, uh, the State Board of Education met. And uh, with uh, four hours of debate, uh, a lot of uh, left, uh, left wings and unions were arguing against them. <laughs> but they, uh, they passed the, uh, the new standards, and they really are um, very good. Uh, if I had one criticism, I'd like to see the state sovereignty side be a little bit stronger. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, but the uh, you know the, they stopped calling us a democracy, believe it or not, and they uh, over and over again used the term uh, constitutional republic. Fabulous. Uh, they stressed the the uh, need for students to be learning from primary source documents. Um, Great. They, uh, so. Um, so they're That's actually going to be reading the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> it might be a first but, for a lot. Yeah, but they, they go in much deeper than that. You know, they go into the anti-federalists and the Federalist Papers, and uh, some of the some of the actual written documentation is the, you know, is the folks who signed our Constitution were debating it for so long. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of written documentation there that got to, that students can can understand some of what was. Uh, going on you know they they require them to focus on the the three-fifths rule for or the fifth-thirds rule for example uh the supremacy clause uh, so the, the, and it's really foundational it starts in kindergarten wow uh, where beginning of kindergarten i'll read students are uh, are required to recognize the pledge of allegiance is an oath that affirms americans values and freedom hmm. and then in grades one th uh, through beyond they're supposed to say the pledge daily um they're supposed to analyze the influences of ancient Greece, uh, ancient Rome, and get this: the Judeo-Christian influence uh, on constitutional, on America's constitutional republic. Wow, that's great. So there's really it's a very good foundation. They're getting a lot of pushback from uh, from some of the teachers who have been indoctrinated into the fact that they believe our constitution is outdated and a waste of time. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But the governor also is putting his money where his mouth is. He's got a $106 million budget item that's approved to train teachers. And teachers that have been trained on this then can earn a $1,000 extra bonus. And, of course, with all the pressure to get rid of critical race theory, and the rule they put in place there to not teach anything that's related to critical race theory, there's at least some tools now uh, for the Department of Education and, if, if they're willing, the superintendents to stop some of this.
Yeah, I think, I think so it would be actually, uh, uh, it, it, at least in terms of current events, to be talking about critical race theory and why it's so flawed and why it doesn't work and, you know, to, to uh, emphasize why it's wrong and what's right about, uh, for example, the whole notion of uh, equality, equal opportunity, and so forth. So. Yeah, that would be great. Well, Keith, it sounds like it's just a terrific, uh, terrific step forward. I just really congratulate you, number one, on your role in this whole thing. But number two, all the Florida kids, and you mentioned that, that uh, uh, reforming public schools is a, a very difficult task. But this is definitely a step in the right direction. Oh, for sure. And the governor gets all the credit for challenging the system to do this and then making it happen. So. Yeah. Big stuff. You know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your agenda, legislative agenda, coming up for the next uh, legislative session, which, by the way, is just around the corner. Uh, and you need to get it started soon, don't you? Yeah, we certainly do. Um, every delegation by, you know, county. So in Collier County, we have a delegation of, uh, 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 you know, four or five, I, I guess it's five uh, uh, congressional reps, uh-huh. uh, or legislative reps, state house and senate. And and Miami has 18, so by by law, those legislators have to come together in what's called a delegation meeting, uh, to uh, to listen to their local constituents before session starts. Uh, they're actually beginning. Uh, Lee County has its first one on August 18th. So every year for the last five years, uh, Florida Citizens Alliance has worked very hard uh, across our team to put together a legislative agenda that we all agree on. And then as we go into the legislative cycle, uh, we use that uh, to, to focus our energies on, on either bills or, or bills that we want to write or legislation that legislators are putting forth. Um, and, and we either get behind bills that fit our legislative agenda or we oppose bills that don't. So that's how we use it. Uh, we've drafted it. We've... Uh, we've put it out last night to our leadership team looking for input. It's got about seven items on it right now. It'll go through a little bit of change, but our plan is to have that uh, completed by the second week of August. Outstanding. Uh, the first delegation hearing that I'm aware of is the 18th of August in Lee County, so it's right on top of us. And uh, You'll be we'll ready. Be- <laughs> Keith Law, again, the uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. The website is GoFLCA. Dot com. Go flca.com. Check it out. It's really should Make a contribution, too, because the, all this work that Keith and uh, his partner, uh, Pastor Rick, do, it's, uh, and others, it's all volunteer. So uh, make a contribution. Keith, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Have a great weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Sean Flanagan. He's with the Legatum Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence, French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and uh, president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Sean Flanagan. He's the director of Impact and Partnerships with the Legatum Institute. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Sean, are you there? <clears throat> Sean is not there. We lost uh, Sean, <laughs> unfortunately. And it, it's kind of interesting, This uh, what we're going to talk about <clears throat> is, the, uh, is about the uh, U.S. Prosperity Index. And, and it uh, talks about prosperity in a number of ways, not just, uh, not just uh, f economic, but uh, also in terms of well-being of people and so forth. I really would like, I'm so sorry that we lost Sean, because I really would have liked to have had uh, that interview. Uh, so let's, uh, there's other things to talk about, of course. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell drew a heavy red line for Republicans negotiating legislative and budget-related deals with President Biden and Democrats. Speaking to Punchbowl News in an interview published Wednesday morning, McConnell uh, warned he did not expect members of his party to vote for any bill that includes a hike in the debt ceiling, the limit of, uh, on how much the federal government can borrow. I can't imagine there will be a single Republican voting to raise the debt ceiling after what we've been experiencing, the nation's top-ranking elected Republican told the outlet from the Capitol. Going further, McConnell added, I can't imagine a single Republican in this environment that we're in now, this free-for-all taxes and spending, to vote to raise the debt limit. That is so interesting. As a solution, the Republican uh, Senator offered the unexpected one to Democrats, include the debt ceiling in the reconciliation package. I think the answer is uh, they need to put it in the reconciliation bill, he said. Now, I don't know why he said that. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's what he said, uh, giving them the solution to the problem. Budget, budget reconciliation allows the majority party to bypass the legislative filibuster, the Senate rule requiring 60 members to end debate on most topics and move forward to a vote. 
U.S. President Joe Biden <clears throat> spoke out in a cabinet meeting at the White House in, in uh, Washington. July 20th, 21, Biden administration officially say they are starting to see signs of relief from the global semiconductor sh uh, supply shortage, including commitments from manufacturers to make more automotive-grade chips for cars. Uh, President Biden uh, uh, sp split the package into two for Congress to pass. The Senate is split 50-50 between Republicans and Democrats, though Vice President Kamala Harris, a Senate president, uh, has a uh, tie-breaking vote. Still, 51 votes, not enough under the current rules to break the filibuster. Reconciliation would allow Democrats to pass spending for critical projects, but the process cannot be used to change or create laws. That's so interesting. Uh, Pre uh, President Biden split the package, a centerpiece of uh, COVID legislation in two Congress to pass. Uh, uh, let's see, workers uh, repair a, a park. And I'm just uh, scrolling down here. Congress has not yet set a date on which it plans to address the matter, which could become increasingly difficult as members look at to address an array of other legislative matters on top of infrastructure. If Congress does not raise the debt ceiling from its current $28.5 trillion, by then Yellen is expected to take special steps to avoid government default, such as stopgap measures are effective only for a short period, though. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer set up a Wednesday procedural vote on the not-yet-completed bipartisan package despite strong GOP pushback. The cloture vote is expected to be defeated, with top Republicans, including Senator Rob Portman, urging the New York Democrat to delay the vote to provide more time to iron out a number of outstanding details. So uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen urged lawmakers to act before the end of the month. Uh, she. Uh, we can uh, support cloture for something we haven't accomplished yet. We haven't come to an agreement on key issues, he told a reporter. McConnell's also indicated that members of his conference won't support the measure without bill text. I think we need to see the bill before we decide whether or not to vote for it, he told reporters on Monday. I think that's pretty easily understood. So uh, Mitch McConnell playing hardball. Uh, if that debt ceiling is not raised, of course, the government's going to shut down. They just can't continue operations. And uh, uh, Janet Yellen's uh, quite concerned about that. But uh, this is uh, the one card that we can play because they, if they're going to pass this reconciliation bill uh, for human infrastructure, $3.5 trillion, this, this is going down the road to bankrupt us. So uh, w we need to play hardball. Better to have the government shut down, <clears throat> have a few parks closed, uh, than to uh, raise the debt ceiling to a point where all this money is being wasted. A consortium backed by George Soros and Bill Gates has joined a buyout of MoLogic, uh, a COVID-19 testing company. The Soros Economic Development Fund, an arm of Soros Open Society Foundations, confirmed in a July 19th statement that it has partnered with Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The Soros-Gates collaboration is part of a global access to health initiative, which will invest at least $41.1 million in the project, according to the statement. The group has financed the acquisition of Mologic Limited, a world-leading innovator in the development of lateral flow and rapid diagnostic technologies, including tests that can help combat tropical diseases such as dengue uh, and uh, river blindness, as well as, as for COVID-19. The state reads, noting that the purchase in an attempt to expand access to affordable state-of-the-art me medical technology through decentralized research, development, and manufacturing in developing countries. Uh, Founded about two decades ago, 
The father and son team, Mark and Paul Davis of MoLogic, previously worked with Gates Foundation, established the Advanced Rapid Diagnostics in 2016. Now, I've got to be honest. <clears throat> the name uh, George Soros and Bill Gates tied to uh, something related to COVID-19 testing has me very concerned. You know, uh, previously, Soros Open Society funding efforts have been aimed at building the capacity of community-based organizations to catalyze political engagement through the year, not solely around elections. Feature coordination with our anchor and core guarantees. You know, they've actually Soros is the one that has financed uh, the St. Louis uh, Circuit Court attorney Kim Gardner. You know, she's the one that wanted to throw this uh, couple in jail in St. Louis. Los Angeles District Attorney. Uh, George Gascone, during their election, Soros donated more than $2 million to Gascone's campaign. Can you imagine that? And this guy's not enforcing the law. I saw one picture of uh, people carrying out goods out of a, a TJ Maxx store, just walking out with them uh, without paying for them. And the reason is because it, uh, under uh, the law, the way it's being enforced, it's, it's not a felony to steal anything less than $950. So people are just taking stuff. Unbelievable. Gates earlier this month announced that his wife, Melinda, will resign from the foundation in two years if they can't work together amid their divorce. So interesting. Coming up, I'm so, so sorry we were able to visit with Sean Flatting, and I heard the disconnect there. I don't know what happened, but uh, hopefully we'll get him back on the show. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley. Seaton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best in building a performing arts and down, uh, center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting Gulf Shore Playhouse. Org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about uh, Less Government. Yeah, it exists through a size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, not, it's not going well. No, it's, it's an aspiration, though, so it's, yes. <laughs> it's something to work toward. So, Seton, uh, you wrote a column, which is really excellent, using the lockdown to destroy the entire private housing economy. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, this has been... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm referring to the moratorium <clears throat> on paying your rent or mortgage. Right. Um, now, they call it an eviction moratorium, but that's, in, in essence, what it is. It, it's telling the American people, it's the, it's the Center for Disease Control. Now, I don't know where in the Constitution the federal government is empowered to start a Center for Disease Control at all. Right. I certainly don't see where they're empowered to tell every landlord and property owner, you can't evict somebody from your property. I mean, that's an amazing overreach right. of federal government power. And they imposed that uh, in March of 2020. They said you can't evict somebody for lack of rent or mortgage payment. Well, that is still in effect right now, a year and a half later. So these people, millions of people are behind on their rent or mortgage. These payments don't go away, of course. Right. They, they just pile up on the end of the line. Um, we even had a stupid Supreme Court ruling on this, where Judge Justice Kavanaugh said, "Yes, the moratorium is unconstitutional, but because they're ending soon, ending it soon, they can keep doing it." <laughs> uh, that's not that's not how it's supposed to work, right? Um, so now you've got ten million, fifteen million people who owe months and months and months of rent and mortgage payments. Well, that's First of all, it's been horrible for the owners because they base their cash flow on the rent coming in every month. Right. That screwed all of them. Um, and that, of course, screwed all the attending businesses that get paid by the landlord, the electri- electricity and the, you know, the, the gas and the, uh, all, you know, the cable and all the attending companies that way. And now they're going to end the moratorium and millions of people are going to get kicked out of their houses. And, and their apartment. Now, uh, that's, uh, did uh, I, I'm wondering uh, how many people are behind? In other words, so it, it didn't mean necessarily. I saw an article. I couldn't find any hard data. Of course, this is something the media doesn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I saw that in November of last year, 9.9 million were behind. Wow! And see, and this... of course, that's going to go up much more in the, in the intervening what eight months, nine months, whatever it's been. Um, so this is a huge assault on the entire housing industry, the rental and the owner. Right. Um, you know, the 2008 housing crisis was a lot of people who bought three, four, five homes on cheap interest with balloon payments and then started renting it out, renting, renting them out because they weren't living in them. Mm-hmm. And there's a great scene from the movie The Big Short where this guy, the guy knocks on the, one of the people who end up 
shorting the housing market, knocks on a door in Florida, and this guy opens the door, and the, the, almost the entire neighborhood's empty, and he's there, and he goes, uh, I'm looking for Trowfaz. He goes, you're looking for my landlord's dog? And the house was in the dog's mortgage. The mortgage was in the dog's name. And he goes, and the guy in the house goes, has he not been paying his mortgage? Because I've been paying my rent. And that's where we are now, is the opposite. Yeah. These people are in places renting properties, owning properties, or, or, or renting, renting properties that they are owned by other people, not paying their rent, not paying their mortgage. This avalanche of bills is going to come down upon them. They're not going to be able to pay. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> we're going to have a housing crisis that look, makes 2008 look like a walk in the park. Yeah. See, here's the interesting thing. If you're a landlord, you own a piece of property, you can make those your decisions yourself. If you say, look, you can work something out. Look, I'm going to I'll cut your rent in half for a couple of months. You know, it, it, like, because they obviously don't want to lose a, a good person who's uh, on hard times because of the pandemic. Point being is that now there are going to be some people that are 15 months behind in their rent. Are you kidding me? How are they going to write a check for that? Right. And, and, the- and, and again, <clears throat> blanket government policy doesn't differentiate between the good people who just got screwed by the lockdowns right. and the people taking advantage of the situation, like we've seen with the excessive welfare payments. We've got millions of comp- jobs open, and no one's taking the jobs because they're getting paid more to not do anything. Did you hear, and, did you hear uh, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden's uh, town hall last night? This guy approached him and said, uh, uh, I can't find people to hire. He says, well, you have to pay them more. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This is a, it's in a backdoor effort to raise the minimum wage is what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and, and then, of course, meanwhile, the border's wide open, driving down wages at the low and middle, you know, the low end of the wage scale. It doesn't talk about that. No, you just have to, why would you raise the rates if you've got 10 million additional illegal aliens to pick from? Um, but anyway, the, 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 one of the things I've noticed of late, as I've looked into all this during the pandemic, there's this group called the National Consumer Law Center. And... They get funded, it's a left-wing group, they get funded by all the people you think of, George Soros and all these morons, and they've been a chief driver of, A, calling for and then repeatedly cajoling the government to expand the rent and mortgage moratorium, and now they're telegraphing, of course, what's their solution to the rent and mortgage moratorium when it's over, and everybody owes a year and a half's worth of rent, which is do what they want to do with the student loans. They want the student loan. They want the student loans to just be magically forgiven. Huh. Hey, you don't have to pay it back. And I'm going to guess that since that's their position on the student loans, they're going to call for the government to pass some sort of crazy law that just you know, if, if anyone that owes you rent during the pandemic, they don't have to pay you back. Because we say so. Uh, you know, they had no and that, won't be, that won't be damaging to the economy or anything. Of course not. And look, you got to protect private private property rights. They had no business mandating this in the first place. I'm really happy you brought this to our attention because the federal government can't have a moratorium on rents. Uh, they, the Center for Disease Control imposed it. I mean, where are you kidding me? It? It's it's not. 
They, it's not an executive order. It's the Center for Disease. No, it's the, so the, well, no, the Center for Disease Control just issued a moratorium on on rent and mortgage. They have no authority to do that. No, they have no, no, no. <laughs> As I said, the, the federal government doesn't have the authority to create a Center for Disease Control. Yeah, this is. I tell you, I'm so happy you brought this to our attention, Seaton. It's just really, really alarming to think about uh, what's going on right now. And uh, I don't know if you if you saw Biden last night, but he he was, had a town hall in an area that in Cincinnati where he won, and half of the seats, more than half of the seats, were empty. Yeah, he won. Yeah, yeah. It was the it was the magic of closing uh, polling places in swing states at midnight. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Again, the president and founder of uh, Less Government, uh, the, the website is lessgovernment.org. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You'll find this column right there using the lockdown to destroy entire private housing economy. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs, among other things, to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, my pleasure. Uh, 
Thursday morning, sun's out, and Bob Harden's on the air. And it's time for an update from the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, things are, are, are relatively, uh, relatively quiet um, uh, in the city, which is kind of a good thing. Uh, council members don't come back for another couple of weeks. Um, so it'll remain quiet, you know, until then. Um, what we're trying to do, Bob, I'll tell you, um, there's, there's people, we, we need some candidates for the next, um, for the city council election coming up on, uh, next February. Um, and so there is a push, there's a group working, uh, diligently to find some, some candidates. We'd love to have some young people, um, step forward. It's always been an issue to get um because you know the families etc cetera, etc cetera, but mm -hmm. um i think it's about time that uh there's a lot of wonderful young professionals out there um that would be very very good council people and uh that should be interested in our local government and the city of naples especially uh to see what's going on um and and it's just something that's always been difficult really yeah I'll, i'm I mean, think, i'm thinking of sam's side he he did a nice job on city council and uh I would imagine. Yeah, but but Sam, you know, we have Gary Gary Price now um, is is our youngest. Uh, we're not including the mayor, um, you know. Um, but um, uh, it's just difficult to to recruit. I I don't know why. And um, I reached out to the chamber, and I was talking to to a few of the, to Michael Wynn and a few of the other board members. Uh, and say, guys, you you know, the the thing is, you have to live in the city, mm -hmm. and and that's a difficult thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought well, it would be kind of interesting to run for city council in Naples, but I don't qualify. I don't live in Naples. <laughs> so. No, but we could get you moved there pretty quick. You know, uh, <laughs> we could just switch your. Uh, Switch your condos, uh, uh, you know, a couple of miles, and there you are. You yeah, know? but you know that uh, you. The, I don't know, Bob. Yeah, you you, you said though young, and I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure I meet your criteria for. Uh, you'd be you'd be a good mayor. Let me tell you. Oh, God bless you, Bill. Mayor well, Bob Harden on the air <laughs> uh, this Friday morning, and uh, no, I. <laughs> so uh, you you do plenty. Uh, so so. Um, but but that's that's something that we're going to really be working working hard on. Um, there's a few candidates that um, the, there's new candidates that are kind of locked in with a group that uh, lo like single issue is what I'm trying to say. Right. And uh, I don't want to go into it too much now, but we will in, in future shows for sure. You know, yeah. Um, we want people that are diversified and that care about the city and uh, know what the issues are. You know, I and, would think um, I would think a, a good a group of candidates to, to look at would be you know, people that have gone through the, the Naples, what do they call it? That's GNL? GNL, yeah, Greater Naples Leadership Conference. Uh, well, the thing, uh, again, Bob, um, we have to look at the at the geographics, okay? Yeah. Uh, do they do they live in the city of Naples? And the, the thing is, is that the problem is, is that people that live in the city really you know, they, they just don't get involved in the local politics. So I've had a couple of them. Uh, uh, I, I hate to say this on the air, but we pretty much say everything that, that we need to say. Uh, I had one tremendous candidate, but she said she did not want to serve with Mayor Heitman. She says, I just wouldn't do that under any circumstances. Um, Smart I lady. I guess I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, so, so, sounds like she's well qualified to make good decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so you know, the drive will be on for that, and uh, 
Uh, you guys staying around, or you have your your jazz cruise next year, or what's up? Well, the jazz cruise is coming up in uh, February, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we're concerned, of course, because uh, now uh, the CDC has sued. I think the uh, I, I forgot what the lawsuit is, but the, uh, initially uh, the state of Florida won, and that right, and uh, now it's being challenged in court. So. The question is, uh, do you have to be able to prove that you've been vaccinated and all this nonsense? Uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll see how this goes. I don't know. It's still up in the air for us. I understand that that was overturned, that that um, that the appeals court uh, turned them down. I just read this a couple of days ago. I glanced at it. And I was thinking of you. I know, you you know, with you guys and your cruising, I mean, but. I think that they went against uh, Governor DeSantis. Uh, you might want to backtrack and look at what it was a very recent decision. Yeah, you're uh, absolutely right about that, and that's that's what got my concern. But I understand that Governor DeSantis is challenging that and taking it to a higher oh, court. Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, who knows? As I say, it's, it's, it's far enough away, and I think that that maybe <clears throat> other things will happen, you know, prior to that. Yeah. Um, because it seems, um, seems that the, the cruise lines... Um, certainly are taking every precaution and the thing about the vaccinations is you know if we have a minute left so we should talk about that bob you know i'm regardless of your personal feelings um i i think you know when they are putting a push on um it just keeps getting proven time after time after time again that the people that are getting the uh are getting uh ill and catching that are are the ones that have not been vaccinated well, what's um, what's interesting is eighty-seven percent of the people in Israel have been vaccinated, and 80, wow. eighty-seven. And this is interesting. Eighty-seven percent of the people uh, in hot in the hospital because of COVID have been vaccinated. Wow! In other That's words, this this new variant uh, is apparently. Uh, I don't know exactly what it, what's going on, but apparently people who, in fact, 47% of the cases here in the United States I read right now are, are, are COVID cases, are hospitalizations, are uh, people who've been vaccinated. Yeah, I, 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 also, I also know that, um, that even though they are hospitalized, I saw a special on it last night there, they're a lot less likely to die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not getting as sick. But anyway, it's... Um, It'll it'll keep going. Hopefully, we don't go backwards. You know what I mean. I can't imagine all of a sudden having to uh, put a mask on again. I would do what everybody else does if that's the case. But um, mm-hmm. it's been pretty nice having the freedom of no mask. Absolutely. So, do you know anybody who has uh, personally contracted COVID in the last, uh, say, thirty days? Nope. I I we didn't. You know, honestly, Bob, we we didn't really. Um, Chris and I. I don't think we knew really anybody that had it we knew a few people got it god forbid that 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 had it in past um mm-hmm. uh not not close friends or anything like that but um but nope we don't know anybody in the last 30 days and um our grandkids have been have been vaccinated and hopefully stay okay you know um but it, it, it's just something we'll just have to follow you know yeah i do know I, i've had a couple of uh, friends who've had adverse reactions i had one friend who had blood, developed blood clots that he had to have two stents put in his legs. Right. I had another friend who had a, a stroke and uh, ended up losing slurred speech and uh, the problem. That was uh, four days after he got vaccinated. You know, it's not right. necessarily right. causal. It could be a coincidence, but uh, probably not. Yeah. Um, 
so, we we didn't have any you know we had the, the normal one day of we kind of had like a little bit of a flu symptom and whatever but other than that you know we we've been fine knock on wood so you know um well let's just hope that um let's just hope that uh we keep moving forward and some of the states that don't have having that are so low on the vaccination list that they they do get vaccinated and we'll see what happens you know yeah hey listen it's still going to be the bob harden show right <laughs> that's right bill hey i genuinely appreciate you coming on the show bill uh I, hey I, I, don't you i you, genuinely you? enjoy it well thank you bill don't you head north soon yeah, we're 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 heading out of here at the end of next week um, with the normal uh, caravan, uh, bulldog, the uh, two cats, uh, everything. Chris can get in that car, and she does. A, she's one of the best packers I have ever seen. If I had to do it, Bob, I God forbid what that would look like. I got to tell you, uh, Linda, uh, we we uh, I got moved from Oregon to Washington D.C. in my uh, my career. And right. uh, so we ended up getting our motor home because we had seven cats. I and Linda, Linda didn't want them in the, in the in the hold of the airplane. Uh, so uh, we ended up driving this motorhome, 26-foot motorhome, across the United States. We hadn't gotten out of the driveway in Oregon before. I thought I was going to go out of my mind because the cats were screaming so much. <laughs> so, That's one of those life experiences that happened many years ago, and you'll never forget. Right? I will never forget that trip. It's so many different things happened. It was just amazing. But, Bill, yeah. I hope you have a um, much less eventful trip than I, than we had across the United States uh, on, on your way north. <laughs> well, we're only going to New York, Bob, but I'll be in touch with you a week, two weeks from today. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us, Bill. Thanks, Bob. My Take pleasure, care. indeed. Bye. You too. All right, well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had fun. I'm going to try and get in touch with the uh, Legatum Institute, see if we can get Sean Flanagan back. I really look forward to that conversation, so we'll make sure that happens uh, next week. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Erica Donalds is the founder and president of Optima Foundation, a terrific organization that starts charter schools here in Florida. I have one opening uh, this fall. The Naples uh, Classical Academy uh, will be opening this fall, the, her organization. And I happen to serve on her board, so pretty excited about the work that she's doing. Dave Beagle is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave will be with us as well as Michael Cannon. He's director of health studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>